Hello and welcome everyone. We are here and we are the MI guys. I got Tammy Kalei here, Casey Jackson, our director, and my, Hello. my name is John Gilbert. And we are the MI guys coming at you to really just try and help you with the individuals, the communities, and the organizations that you're serving and how to help that from a evidence-based lens with particularly motivational interviewing, which is our specialty. So on the docket today, Tammy is going to lead us uh, with what we have to help you with. So we have a question again. Um, this question comes from um, uh, someone actually that, that was part of our gold membership. And they asked, what do you do when someone commits to a plan, but they don't follow through? How do I help them in an MI ad adherent way? Like, how do, how do I help them? They've created this plan, but they're not following through. Help. Uh, so the first thing off the top of my head, uh, which is probably not totally am I adherent or appropriate, but the first thing off the top of my head is, well, welcome to being human. Um, <laughs> That's perfect. Is, you know, <laughs> what happens when somebody comes up with a plan and doesn't follow through or follows through parts of it, I just think, gosh, it's just, that is probably one of the most quintessential aspects of the human experience, especially regarding change. Yes. Um, you know, something was profound for me when I was taking an ethics class years and years and years ago. And I remember they were talking about, you know, how righteous we can be. And it wasn't even MI. And they said, how many of you have ever been on a diet or exercise plan ever in your life? You know, raise your hand. And everybody in the room raised their hand. And he said, uh, so how many of you are in the exact same plan you originally started the very first time? And everybody drops their hand. And he said, so we've all relapsed. Um, and I think that's such a, uh, it was so helpful for me from an addiction provider at the time perspective is that, oh my gosh, change is hard. And it doesn't mean we don't care. It doesn't mean we're not committed. It just means we start plans and we, we fall off the wagon chronically. A lot of people do chronically. And some behaviors we stay on board with and we stick with. So that's just kind of my out of the gate thinking around it is it is common. And I think the more common we understand it is, A, then it helps not blame or stigmatize um, and put it into just a complete normalcy range and it helps us respond more strategically. So the way that I started looking at this, and again, I, I know the visual people out there really like when I use visuals, but that is the way my brain works. It's where I started using the analogy of a hot air balloon with a plan. And so if I build a plan with somebody, when I think from an MI perspective, the balloon itself is kind of the hot air of the importance. That's the steam. That's the that's the that's the catalyst for change is the more hot air you put into the balloon the more that gets heated up and there's more energy in there and reverberation in there the the faster and the better the balloon is going to lift mm -hmm. and for me that is all around change talk and importance and focus and values and goals the more time we spent cultivating that and building that energy truly the critical mass around change their motive for change the bigger the balloon gets mm -hmm. and the more the behavior can take off. And then I equated the cables holding the balloon to the baskets as their confidence. And what's in the basket is all the things they're trying to lift off or all the change that they're trying to carry forward. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think of some of the, the sand ballast, the bags that are hanging from the basket is some sustained talk. So we have to lift off some of that sustained talk and make the basket filled with things that can be carried forward. With that in mind, when you go back to the original question of what happens when people don't follow through on their plan, 
I immediately look at one of those three things. Either the balloon has deflated since last time we talked, they didn't have enough confidence with the cables. They, they may still have excitement, they still may have energy, but just don't feel like they can follow through on it, even though they're, they're committed to what's in the basket. Or we've put too much stuff in the basket, so the balloon's fine, the cables are fine, but there were so many things there that they just didn't feel like it could lift off. So you just start to offload, offload some things out of the basket and make it more manageable, um, and then deal with the sandbags as we need to with sustain talk. That can be very valid at the same time. So that's the first thing I think of when people don't follow through on the plan, is I assess one of those three things. Has the balloon deflated or did I not get it big enough? Did we not spend enough time there in the first conversation or the planning conversation? Is the importance strong, but the confidence is not strong? So I start thinking about importance confidence ruler. Um, and in that importance confidence ruler to not only strengthen confidence, do we put too much stuff in the basket or can we offload some of the things out of the basket so it can take off easier? Mm -hmm. So those, instead of looking at the, um, the individual I'm working with or the participant in the program, the first thing I think of is I need to assess this first based on where their brain is at and their, and their investment in the change process. Where is it at? It, it ties into something as well too about why motivation cannot, is not manipulative and if you're being manipulative, it can't be motivational interviewing, is I cannot put hot air in somebody else's balloon that's not real for them. Mm -hmm. So I can try to make it as important as I, as I want to make it important, but if internally for them, it doesn't have critical mass, it doesn't have energy, it doesn't have weight to it, it's not going to. So it's basically me just blowing as much hot air into something that they haven't even sewn the seams, seams on. Like it's just like, this is just such a waste of my energy to want them to be invested in something that they're not invested in. So with, and I'll do the quick tying, <clears throat> since we're talking about plan, um, to the importance confidence ruler, it's that part when we teach importance confidence ruler, what would take you, if, like, if I'm asking Tammy, you know, how, how confident are you going to be able to get on top of this thing around your workload? Mm -hmm. And you say it's a four, and I just say, what would take it from a four, increase your confidence from a four to a four and a half, whatever you say next is my target behavior. And so if you say, you know, if I could just get my desk more organized mm -hmm. and I say, okay, if that's your only goal that you have to do, if that's the only thing I'm going to put in the basket, how confident are you? Are you going to be able to follow through on that? Oh, that's an eight or a nine. I can just organize my desk. That's not a problem. Mm -hmm. So you just move confidence back. You strengthen those cables. You make that the new target behavior. And then I'm going to tie it into your goals around being successful, financially secure, that sense of confidence that you have when you're working and really um, producing at the level you want to. So I'm going to tie it back into building up that hot air balloon. So if the only thing you have to do is just organize your desk, you feel really good about that. This is a way to kind of rearrange and, and refocus on those target behaviors and help you get to the overarching goal. Mm -hmm. So that, that's my thought when people aren't falling through on the plan, assess immediately, and then just think, okay, which part of these is my intervention in my conversation today going to be more targeted towards? Mm -hmm. And that makes a lot of sense to me. I actually, I'm sure I've heard you talk about this balloon, <clears throat> but for some reason it's like really hitting me today. And I think it makes so much sense um, in that, in the sense that, yeah, I, when I think about when I'm trying to make changes in my life or whatever, that basket, if there's 20 items in the basket, I am so overwhelmed and I just don't even know where to begin. <laughs> 
Whereas again, if, if it's taken down to, you know, like maybe for me, like three items or something, it's, I'm like, okay, I can work on one of these three items and go from there. Um, and then maybe in a week or two, I might add three more items, but yeah, I, that just makes so much sense. You know, Tammy, and even when I hear you talk about it, what strikes me about it in a, like in a, a real time perspective, if you have 20 things in the basket and it's just too heavy and it feels so overwhelming, it's almost impossible for the balloon not to start to deflate on its own. Yeah. Like as you're sitting there, because you, you have to keep pumping hot air into the balloon. You can't fill up a hot air balloon and just let it go if there's a basket on the bottom of it. Yeah. There is, there's a heat register there that you need to keep putting hot air into it to regulate the lift. So yeah. just because it's filled does not mean it's going to take off. We need to keep, and once it takes off, we still need to keep putting heat in there to regulate the flow as well too. And so that's what I think of is if, if you've got 20 things in that basket and it doesn't take off because you're so overwhelmed, not only does it look like the basket is unmanageable, in the background, the balloon is going to start to deflate over time as well too on its own if somebody's not helping inflate that balloon you start to get discouraged exactly and you start to question do i really want to make this change i've got these 20 items that i need to handle or i can just say maybe it's not that important <laughs> i'm just never going to get to it i'm never going to get it done i don't have the time i don't have the energy yeah. um, i don't have the willpower then people will start to judge it as well too and it just becomes this downward spiral which is why we see why we get so stuck in certain behaviors and not only do we fall off the wagon mm -hmm. it's so that that is a well-greased skid falling off the wagon is a well-greased skid for a lot of people yeah it's like i don't have the time the energy you know what i just i've lost my motivation and why did i start this in the first place mm -hmm. that skid of falling off is so easy so it makes sense why it's hard when people don't get started on the plan or don't follow through because those skids are so well greased and even more technically speaking those neural networks, some of those we've strengthened pretty well. Yeah. Um, and we haven't strengthened as much the executive uh, functioning, the problem solving coping skills. We tend not to practice strengthening those quite as much in mass. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. John? Uh, may I jump in? Yeah. So uh, we were talking earlier, Tammy, and, and uh, about a possible change for you. And yeah. uh, at a certain point, uh, I could have gone to what Casey was saying and blown up the balloon and and we could have talked about the future you want for your situation we talked about and um, but it seemed like it was an important enough big balloon that I just checked in around is it that or is it really it sounds like it's more this so I'm just kind of wondering about you know and you can literally check in isn't it an importance issue or is it a confidence issue with people and just to keep you know this as simple as possible as well it's just thinking when someone comes in is this an importance issue or is this a confidence issue? Right. And if the visuals are helpful, keep that in mind. But it's, if you don't know, you can ask. It doesn't mean it's always going to be accurate. I've asked people and it seems like it's more one than the other and they think it's one. It doesn't matter. It's that you both are collaborating around trying to get to the heart of what's going on and how to have that activate this person to be who they want to be yeah. and, and feel into that and lean into that. That's kind of the gestalt. But more even practically and concretely, Casey, you were just talking about things like executive functioning and neural networks. A lot of the times I'm finding in coaching the many people that, you know, we've coached here at IFSC is we kind of get to just this one step and that's it. Whereas when someone goes back into the real world with facing, I don't know, my background's healthcare. So they're, they're trying to stick to healthier eating and then their spouse makes a bunch of 
cookies or brings in ice cream or whatever. It's, it's really hard because our environments actually cue us a lot more than just our internal, ugh, you know, it makes it a much steeper hill to climb. And so, so having, helping someone with their executive functioning by asking hypothetical problem solvings, like, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? Or you know that your partner is likely to do this or that, and you've probably thought about ideas on how to navigate that, as Casey, you might say, of laying those cobblestones out as if they could have insight. There's these more advanced ways of getting past just coming up with a specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, timely goal, a SMART goal, which has evidence, but you can go beyond that and really help someone feel like they've already addressed some of these triggers that might pop up in their environment, the temptations to eat unhealthy or not, the temptations for the drugs, how their friends might ask them to go out and what they would do differently. I don't think that gets talked about a lot in the, even in my uh, frameworks because we're so focused on engagement and deepening either importance or confidence. We don't get to how do we use that confidence in relation to the future to help them be who they want to be when they're most challenged the most, you know? Right. And I think that's really important to your whole point that is getting more popular and you've really uh, helped lead is executive functioning in MI. You know, I think that's really, really important. So that that's one other aspect is just, is it an importance issue? Is it a confidence issue? And how can they feel confident for possible hypotheticals that may pop up? How would they handle it? Or what would be their thought process? What would go through their brain to be who they want to be when they're tempted to return to their old ways? And then if they did return to their old ways, how much would that matter or not? Oh, we're blowing up the balloon again. And oh, if that's big, let's go to the confidence cables and help them feel like they can navigate it. Which lastly, I'll say, means you can share resources and information if they genuinely don't know, like we did with Tammy, like we brainstormed some stuff, I shared some ideas, but I checked in throughout so it wasn't too much. And then we ended with, so where does that kind of leave you with what makes most sense for you from here? And then would it be helpful for a follow-up? Or if it was someone I was in the community with, I might ask, so who might you follow up with to, to be who you wanna be? And there's just so many ways to do plan that are beyond what I think a lot of people are talking about, of just get a talk of someone saying, I will. It's not yeah. about someone saying I will. It's that pickup <clears throat> of strength and motivation and confidence to then organically tip into, oh, I don't want to, but I got to. Right. I need to. I have to. I will because it's yeah. who I ultimately want to be and it's the role model I want to be for my kids. And that's what it's about. You know, the thing that I'd wrap with this as well, too, and John, is when you were talking about it, what really struck me and reinforced. I think because you and I talk about this so much in training, every industry we work with, every, every single industry we work with is so hyper-focused on plan and measuring plan because we get paid for outcomes and this is how we can track outcomes and target outcomes. So there's nothing fundamentally wrong with that. But the reason I bring it up when I heard was listening to you talk is that it goes back to the nature of the original question. What if they're not following the plan? And so that's the last thing I'd add in is, who's more attached to the plan. Yeah. So, so that is going to be a great indicator if they're not following through. It's one of the things we either talk about with kind of the balloon analogy and the things John's talking about as well, or have you written a plan and the person is still hasn't even resolved their ambivalence? Mm -hmm. Is there vestiges of ambivalence that still need to be worked through, which means that needs to be worked through. Focus needs to be increased before you can actually even move to plan. And focus again is that hot air balloon. So you can see the parallel in the process. 
But that would be my last thing that I'd throw into this kind of response for the, to the question is I would just do that self-assessment in terms of, am I more attached to the plan than they are? Um, or are they really attached to this plan? If they're really attached to the plan, I'm gonna go with the balloon analogy, or I'm more attached to the plan. And actually when I was developing the plan, I could actually hear them giving some excuses or if there was quite a bit of hesitancy or doubt um, or not a huge attachment to the plan. If that's the case, you've probably drifted out of MI from the onset when you're developing the plan. So th that's a more comprehensive answer to me when I was listening to you speak, John, that I thought, gosh, this is, when we get over attached to somebody else's plan, we start to write it and completely miss the fact that they're giving us a whole bunch of signs and, and language that they haven't even resolved their ambivalence yet. So yeah. that's, that's the last thing I'd want to throw, throw to that response, Tammy, to, to round that out. Well, and, and to that point, too, uh, that can get into other podcasts and things we can do of like, well, when do you think someone's just telling you what you want to hear and all these other things, right? Like, all yes. these, but at the end of the day, their behavior is either getting them what they want or it's not. And the more you're attached to the outcome, the more it's probably going to be you diagnosing them as having a problem, which I appreciate you bringing up because I was thinking about it when you were talking earlier, Casey. It's like, how are we seeing them? And if we come in and we see them as lacking, that's a different way to see someone. And if they're lacking because we don't think they did enough or that now we're gonna get um, our supervisor and our back because we're not meeting our numbers and we're feeling like we need to get our numbers so we need to do things to get these people to, to get our numbers, all of that and passing that pressure along, it might feel like a real pressure, but the more you pass it along, just don't expect this person to really go deep enough inside themselves to maintain whatever change it is you're working on right. in the long term. And right. that you more likely will have this conversation again and you're spending time and energy and effort, which is probably going to consciously or unconsciously frustrate you that you're doing that. Because right. the more you do that, the more likely you're gonna get attached to the outcome. And so it's just such a good point of how attached to the outcome are you? And if you wanna attach yourself to something attach it to the visual of the balloon analogy, attach it to how important or confident is this person and attach it to how much are they aligned with their behaviors and their values. And if you can attach your attention to all that, it's a higher likelihood that you will have someone in front of you be more of who they wanna be, not because you're manipulating them, because you're guiding them to be who they wanna be, with the resources you have and the experience you have to help them if they care. But yeah. it's their choice, it's their life. And so how much are you treating them like that as you guide them? And I think that's what gets lost in the planning process. Great points. This is an awesome question to answer, you guys. Thank you so much for answering. And as always, thank you guys for asking the question too. So feel free to send any and all questions our way. Very um, much appreciate that, yes. Yes, we will answer them, whether they're MI-related, communication, situational, like this, you know, like whatever questions you have, send it our way and we'd be happy to answer them. You can send it to tammy.calais, T-A-M-I dot C-A-L-A-I-S at ifioc.com. But otherwise, we hope that we are always providing the communication solution that will truly change your world. So have a great day. Thank you.